RDT Systems, baby. Dog tested and dog tough. We've got those soft mouth dummies. Now listen, everybody knows that we need more bumpers. I'm not talking about one or two or three. I'm talking about adding bumpers to your repertoire. I like using white or black and white bumpers when I'm training my dogs for marks and even blinds. You can get the orange ones. I dig it. But add a bunch to your repertoire. And I'm again, I'm not talking about three to six. If you're working on T pattern, if you're working on blinds and pattern blinds, you need a bunch, a dozen, 18. The Soft Mouth Dummies by DT can't be beat. Check them out, LoneDuckOutfitters.com. DT Difference. Let's go. Gunner Kennels, baby. Hashtag man's best kennel. Well, it's also now hashtag man's best food crate. It's freaking raccoon proof. You can't get into this thing. Your dog can't bust into the lid and eat all the food. Trust me, I know Memphis has done it in the past. She looks like a blown up pumpkin. Boom. But not anymore. We've got the Gunner Kennel food crate. It's easy to pack, easy to store, keeps food dry, which food's an investment, man. That Purina, baby, it ain't cheap anymore. So keep it dry, good, all that stuff. Easy to pack, easy to store. The Gunner Kennel food crate. Slide into DMs if you'd like to learn more. Have you wondered if you wanted to force fetch your dog? Maybe you think your dog's too soft. Maybe you're too nervous to screw, quote unquote, screw your dog up. Let me help you. I built a start to finish course with different dogs, different breeds, and different personalities from start to finish to show you how that you and your dog can do it successfully and easy. Jump in, links in the description. We'd be happy to help you. Let's go. Let's set goals and get you and your dog where you want to be this duck season. What's going on, everybody? And welcome to another episode of Lone Ducks Gundog Chronicles. We've got a great episode. I really enjoyed this discussion with Callie Parmley. She is the editor-in-chief of Gundog Magazine and upcoming, about to launch in April, TV show host of Wild Upland. She is a Labrador owner and lover. That's kind of what got her into the game. And over the last two and a half years, she's been training her own English setter, which you know, Kevin and I have a soft spot for those. Super fun conversation. I really enjoyed getting to know her and the adventures she's been on with her dogs. So I hope you enjoy as well. But first, do me a favor. Check out patreon.com forward slash Lone Duck Outfitters. The link is in the description. You heard it in the last episode, but we're doing a Patreon-only hunt in southern Missouri with Treasure Island Outfitters. If you're a Patreon member, you can go with us. It's going to be awesome. We're going to do a you know, three-day hunt. In the afternoons, we're going to do dog training seminar in the afternoons, plus a little beer ski drinking, eating. All that stuff is included. It's going to be awesome. And one lucky Patreon member is going to win a chance to come and hunt on this thing, right? So if you join Patreon, you're going to be entered to win. We're going to pick the winner September 1st so that everyone's got time to take time off of work in, for December. It's going to be a blast. Join Patreon. Join that community. Plus, there's plenty more reasons to join Patreon. So show support. Maybe win a free hunt to Southern Missouri to shoot ducks and do the dog training seminar. We're excited to have you on board. Next up, the YouTube channel. Guys, do me a solid. If you enjoy this, if you enjoy learning from me, if you enjoy learning from our guests, hop on YouTube, search Lone Duck Outfitters and click subscribe um, and just binge. Just binge. Do it already. I dare you. Next up, our force fetch course. I put a ton of time and effort to develop a thorough process that the way I do it with plenty of different breeds, plenty of different personalities to show you how you can do it yourself with your dog. The link's going to be in the description below. If you're thinking of taking the challenge of force fetching your dog, do it the right way, follow the program, and, and you'll enjoy the process. Your dog will enjoy the process, and you'll be off and running for spring and summer training and getting ready for hunting season. Next up, from the duck blind to the holding blind, it's Purina, baby, the food that fuels the truck of lone duck. Man, 3020 has been keeping the dogs fit, 
Their coats look good. They're keeping weight good. They're not, well, I was just going to say they're not fat, but I do have a couple fatties on the truck. I'm trying to skim a little winter weight off of, but uh, they look good. They feel good, and they're performing really well. Check them out. It's Purina, baby. Next up, Gunner Kennels, man's best kennel, made in America, keeping your dog safe rolling down the road when it hits the fan you want your dog protected if you want to get into a gunner kennel slide into the dms at lone duck on the instagrams and hit us up we'd be happy to help you get into a new gunner kennel next up shooter shooting baby kent cartridge that bismuth i'm ready for turkey season, uh, mentally and physically ready. I have yet to hear a gobbler in the South Carolina woods, but I'm listening every morning when I'm airing dogs. And you bet your bottom dollar that I'm going to take. I usually hunt with my Satori, but I didn't bring it on the southern trip. I've got my old Browning A5 20 gauge, and it's going to. I hope that I'll be lucky enough to to sit in the woods and call old Tom Turkey in and let the bismuth fly. Next up, DT Systems. This is a new addition. We're uh, really proud to be a part of their team, helping innovate. They've been innovating the e-collar industry for over 30 years, um, and there's some really cool stuff coming down the pipes from them and us as a team. You know our friends Ethan and Kat from Standing Stone. They've been using DT forever. Um, the collar that we've been monkeying with is the 1820, and that would be great for the every dog trainer hunter um they also have the wrapped or the m and the mr 1100 those are good units for you know backyard training going to your retriever clubs and training as well as in the duck blind so check them out at dt systems on instagram and their website to learn more their collars will be able to be found on the lone duck outfitters website here in the next couple weeks check them out all right, let's get into the show. Callie, thank you for joining us. Welcome to the show. Do me a favor. Tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Hi, guys. I'm the um, editor-in-chief of Gundog Magazine, an associate publisher, and I've uh, been doing this for... I've probably been in the hunting industry about seven years now. I started uh, more in the big game side of things, but uh, I started... I didn't start hunting until an adult, actually. I started my first job out of college was with a group called the U.S. Sportsmen's Alliance, and they are a conservation group that protects hunting, essentially. And I came in just honestly looking for a job and uh, came in and and loved it and fell in love right away. Someone took me turkey hunting, and I was hooked after that. And I But I grew up in a very rural, uh, uh, small little town in Ohio. So hunting wasn't strange to me. I was already really outdoorsy. I was a, you know, horseback rider and lived on a farm. And, um, so it wasn't, it wasn't weird for me to move over into the hunting realm, but someone took me hunting and then I got a dog and I didn't buy him as a hunting dog. I just bought him as a companion dog. And, but then one day I had some uh, mentors take me out in the field and they said, bring him along. And I brought him and it turns out he had all this hunting instinct. He was, he's a lab. So, um, I like to say, I credit him with making me a bird hunter. So, uh, that's Lincoln, my lab. So fast forward a few years, my, my goal always was to be an editor. I didn't know it'd be an editor of a magazine, but I was fortunate enough to make my way in the hunting industry and got hired at Peterson's hunting magazine, which is a big game magazine. So. I fell in love with big game hunting because I could um, kind of double that with my love of backpacking in the outdoors with now I just doing it with a gun in my hand. And so I uh, really got into that and then parallel that with bird hunting. I uh, got super into it, um, had some great people to teach me the way and the rest is history. And now I'm, I have my second bird dog and I have an English setter Jones and I can't tell you the the passion that lies behind upland bird hunting now. Um, I know you guys are big duck hunters, but I'm mostly an upland hunter. So, um, but I uh, I love it and um, really have have taken it to the next level. So that's cool. Well, just for your knowledge, Kevin and I both have setters as well. Perfect. I was going to so, say I, I have yeah. two English setters uh, sleeping on the bed right here. So <laughs> you are certainly in good company. Good. There's nothing. Uh, as much as I love going out duck hunting and, and all that comes with that, there's something 
extra special about just going for a walk. Like you said, right. taking a gun, going for a walk and following the dogs oh, yeah. is incredible. And the fact that you get to do it in a much cooler place uh, (laughs) out west than we do here is I do. I live in Utah now. I moved, I actually really specifically moved west to hunt. So I was already spending most of my time in the fall. I was driving and just living out of my car. And finally, I was like, you know what? I don't want to, I don't want to live out of my truck anymore. So I moved to Utah just so I could, just so I could hunt. That's cool. If you had to break down, like you said that bird hunting has become a passion of yours, but like, out of the fall what mm-hmm. is like what does it look like what are you looking forward to most and then what is second and what is third outside of the fall outside of hunting behind my dog no 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 um, no no just just the fall i guess like oh, okay, okay is it mule deer if fall was a pie chart yeah <laughs> i i truly love um i you know it's hard for everyone always asks me what do you hunt and i'm like everything um i love i love big game hunting mule deer i i love mule deer um, uh, elk hunting. I don't do, I don't do a lot of archery hunting. I'm not, I always tell people ask me if I'm an archery hunter. I'm like, well, I've gone with hikes with my bow before. Yeah, sure. Um, but I've never killed anything, mostly just a rifle hunter, but, um, do a lot of elk hunting, do a lot of mule deer. Um, this past year I did a DIY drop camp with some friends of mine in Alaska for caribou. So, Mm. you know, it's, it's just a hardcore passion that I, I spend year round doing. So truly enjoy it. I mean, this, this, the plan for this was to talk more about bird dogs, but that's a, <laughs> there's probably an, a, a story or two behind that. Sure. Like, how did you land on that one? And then, like, what, what happened yeah, so, there? Well, I'm also the editor of a magazine called Backcountry Hunter Magazine, and that's just a special interest publication we do at my company. And it's, it's dedicated to the off grid, you know, big game hunters. And so, um, a couple of my girlfriends, you know, were like, I had one friend, Tess, who had done this hunt many times in Alaska. And it's, it's, they take you in a bush plane, they drop you off in the tundra and, and say, we'll see you in seven days. And um, she had done it a few years ago and wanted us to go. And of course, we were all like, yeah, well, sign us up. And so you hire a, they, you can't be guided. They just, you just hire a plane service and uh, they take you to a spot. They think you might hit the migration and they drop you off and you set camp and, and you do your thing Hang for seven out. days. So, what, um, so when you say do your thing, like what do you do? Well, that's a good question. You you go and um, you go and scout and, and you glass every day and you look for the caribou and you hope a grizzly's not sneaking up behind you and uh, you camp in in the most beautiful uh, remote silent place you ever dream of and it's truly an awesome amazing hunt. I couldn't. We we killed three caribou. We only had one run in was a grizzly. And other than that, it was truly magical, you know, came back and we're hiking back with 80 pounds on our back one night and got back around 11 PM and looked up and there's the Northern lights. And it was, it was awesome. So. That's fantastic. What time of year did you go? Uh, we went right at the end of August and we got back, uh, right on labor day. So we got really lucky with weather. I, I, if I ever did it again, I don't think I would ever be so lucky because we, we only got rained on once and the week before that I actually got dumped on was snow. And so we were lucky. We, we had phenomenal weather. Um, I mean, it was like forties, fifties, um, and, and truly when was, when was this, what year was this? This was just this, this past August. Oh man. That's unbelievable. Yeah. It was super fun. And then yeah. of course, another magical, we're hiking out. We had, we had to do multiple trips because in Alaska you have to take it's legally you have to take the meat first before you take the hide or the antlers. So, you know, three caribou, you had to hike them back to camp. So one of our last hikes back to camp, we're just exhausted and we've probably got 80 pounds on our back and we get to the top of this hill and this covey of ptarmigan flushes off the rise and just flies down. It was, it was pretty magical. So it was cool. That's so cool. That's uh Kevin got to go for his honeymoon to Alaska for fishing. Nice. Nice. Um, but I've yet to go and it is a bucket list place for me. I'd like to go duck on it, but yeah, just the, sure. the, I don't know if the word is majesty. It's maybe oh, corny, yeah. but like it's vast, it's remote. Oh, yeah. And like you said, it's quiet. Like So I did. Dirt. Yeah, I did. So that was for caribou this time. And then the, the year or a year or two prior, I had gone for ducks and then sprinkled in ptarmigan. Of course I didn't have my dog that kind of stink, but, um, it was, it was awesome. Like the duck hunting is just phenomenal. And then the, the ptarmigan, um, we were trekking through, they had, 
the place where we were, we were on this place called Adak Island. They're not supposed to get snow, but this year, of course, they got snow and not just snow, but like knee deep, waist deep snow. So me and my friend, uh, Natalie, were just trekking through this snow just for these. Everyone kept saying, you do, you want to chase those little white birds? I'm like, yeah, man. Like, I don't think you understand when it's in it, when it's in you, it's in you. It's just such a passion. And so we were hiking all over those mountains, you know, trekking through, potholing through snow and, and chasing ptarmigan. So it was, it was awesome. I highly recommend so cool. What have you so not cool. done? I feel like we've known each other for 10 <laughs> minutes now and I'm pretty jealous. <laughs> I mean, you've outlived us. Yeah. What the heck? That's really cool. I have cool, not though. hunted. I have not hunted uh, Maine Northwoods for grouse. So um, I have not done a lot on the East Coast. So you guys got me on that. Fair enough. <laughs> Except well, we I haven't also done haven't Maine done Maine either. either so, <laughs> <laughs> thank you for we reminding do. me. <laughs> we can call my we can call my associate editor Nathan, and he'll take us along. He's got Maine tagged in, so but dreaming all perfect dreaming all that. So, so you you know let's let's double back to the dogs for a second. Mm-hmm. You know this first dog that you got wasn't supposed to be a hunting dog. Talk about that mentors that got you in and and pushed you to push this dog into the outdoors and, you know, Mm -hmm. some of the memorable experiences that you've had with that dog. Sure. So Lincoln, um, he probably, he was about two, I would say, when he, we figured out that he was a hunt, he was really natural into hunting. And so I had some great mentors along the way who I, I truly believe that you know, especially as an adult onset hunter, you really need someone to guide you and help you through it all. And so I was fortunate enough that I had plenty of people to do so. And, but I, like Lincoln, I just, I I knew, I should say this, I knew how to train obedience because in college I had trained a service dog. So I had that at least going for me. And then when the bird stuff came along, I'm like, I have to train you. Like you are clearly a natural. So I just started picking up all the classic books, watching all these YouTube videos and just honestly just trained him in my backyard. And, um, I, you know, I was fortunate. I was in the hunting industry could ask all these questions. Um, but he was a Labrador. And so, um, I felt like a good first dog for someone, especially a bird dog is a lab. Uh, and then fast forward to, well, I had so many adventures with Lincoln. He's just been a phenomenal. He's, um, traveled all over the country with me, hunted anywhere from chucker to pheasant and everything in between. And then I decided I took over gun dog, uh, three years ago and I decided I wanted to, you know, touch my toes in the pointing dog world. And that's when I started researching what kind of next breed I wanted to get. And I ended up deciding on a setter because my grandpa had actually raised and trained English setters when I was growing up. So I knew the breed, I knew how they were in the house. I knew how they were in the field. Um, and so I did a lot of research, you know, I, I perused uh, the internet, I perused, you know, how it is on Instagram. We, all of us bird people oh, yeah. follow each other and we all see, you know, we start asking, where did you get your dog from? And I finally decided on Northwoods bird dogs. Um, yeah. I had heard great things about Jerry and Betsy, um, had gotten great recommendations. And I, at the time I lived in Illinois, so I could drive up to see their kennels. And I drove up and Jerry was just so welcoming and Betsy was so welcoming and they just walked me around. They told me how they, they, their, you know, their techniques for breeding and what they wanted out of their dogs. And I just instantly, I I literally walked away and called him and said, I'll put a deposit down right now. And so, um, but you know how it goes when you, you, you know, you're paying for a well-bred dog, you got to wait a couple of years. Right. Mm -hmm. So during that time I moved to Utah a year, fast forward a year and I moved to Utah. And now I've moved to a place where I don't have my family six hours away. I don't have a support system. And the next thing I know, I got Jerry calling me saying, Hey, we got a dog ready for you. And I remember I literally battled with, Oh, I don't know if I can do this right now. You don't know if I can do this. Like I, I was worried that Link in my lab would think that I didn't love him anymore, that I didn't have time for him. And I was worried that I was in a new place. And I was honestly worried that I would fail, that I would fail in training the setter because I didn't know the ins and outs of it. And so Jerry talked me through it and I, I talked to a bunch of other people and they're like, you, you're, you're going to want to do this. And now let's fast forward two and a half years since I got Jones. And it's just absolutely, I don't regret a second of that decision. Has it been easy? No. Has it been fun to learn? Absolutely. <laughs> Am I going to continue to have another setter later on in life? Absolutely. So yeah, that's how I feel. I will never go on with life without one. No, and I I'm don't. a lab guy. I mean, I, yeah. I think I own 12 labs and one setter. And it's like, I'll, I'll always have a setter. Absolutely. I, so. I just, they're sweet nature. And it's just so awesome to see them 
connect all the pieces and go on point in the field. I still, to this day, like every time he goes on points, I'm like, oh, you know, wow, that is awesome. So yeah. I, I truly enjoy it. And he's still learning. Of course, he's only two and a half years old. He's not even close to being done yet with his training, but it's just, it's just awesome. Have you done Chucker in Utah? Oh yeah. Chucker, Huns, Quail, you know, pheasant with him. I went, took him down and did Arizona Merns and Gambles this year. We, we do it all. So he's gotten That's plenty so... of experience. He's gotten plenty of birds in his face. He's blown through plenty of points and he's also <laughs> pointed some beautiful points. So it, it's been cool. Good for you. What would be a piece of advice for someone who, you know, I, we are a majority of lab listeners, sure. right? Um, but you know, we have like Nick Larson from, yeah. you know, up North and he's a grouse guy. Like we, Nick was we, the one who talked to me getting a Northwoods dog. So, well, that's that the first about right. And I thought of, yeah, that's the first person that popped in my head when you said it. Um, you know, so, you know, we dabble in it and, and Kevin and I, I, I really do love grouse and woodcock hunting. It's, mm -hmm. it is yep. unbelievable to watch the dogs do their thing. Absolutely. And I, I'll train pointers once in a while, but going from a lab mm -hmm. to a setter, what was a transition and what were some things that you took away from, from that transition? You know, it sounds funny. Um, I'm real, I'm real keen on obedience. My dogs, I, you know, I want you to listen. I want you to be the calm dog in the room. And I honestly, there were some things I was worried about teaching the setter then that I had taught the lab, like I was worried about teaching heel because I was worried that he wouldn't stretch out if he was, if he was too concerned with healing all the time. Um, I was worried at first about teaching sit because I'm like, well, I, you know, some people will tell you some tr pointing tr guys will tell you, don't teach your teach your pointing dog to sit because then on the, on the point he'll sit. And I'm like, well, that seems kind of weird, but okay. And so I honestly came into it very scared of what I should teach and what I shouldn't teach. I even was worried about putting birds in his face too soon. Uh, you know, worried that it would scare him. And so now that I've gone through all of it, I'm like, none of that, none of that, that all goes out the door. None of that. Everything that I just said doesn't matter. Teach him. Absolutely. A sit and woe are two very different commands. Uh, teach him to heal and, and, versus his natural hunting drive when you're out in the field, like that's not going to matter. You know, <laughs> like there's so many things that, that I did with him that I would not do with the second one. I'd put birds in his face at, you know, I'd put a wing in his face at eight weeks old, you know, like things like that. Just, you know, I it just everything that I thought and was worried about now that I know I look back and I just, I laugh at myself, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I definitely think people worry way too much and probably do too much. Oh, yeah. Now I want to develop a young dog. I want to bring out that natural ability. I want to do all the right things, but then I think people overdo it and over worry and overcomplicate mm -hmm. something that really in the grand scheme of things is for a retriever, go get something and bring it back to me and yeah. be happy, go mm -hmm. swimming and be happy. <laughs> and for a pointing dog, go run around and point something and be happy. Well, honestly, everyone's like, well, how do you get him to point? And, you know, there for the first few months, I, you know, they say setters take a long time to mature. And I wish someone would have told me that before I freaked out and thought my dog didn't have any point in him. But um, it, there was a while there that I was worried that I'm like, what did I do wrong? You know, he's just running through birds. He's not stopping and blah, blah, blah. And then I finally realized as the months went on in this one day, he finally just stopped on a dime and he pointed and I was like, Oh my God, it just clicked. And it's like, I cannot stress more that your dog has natural ability and it will find it. You just have to let him be a bird dog. You have to let him be a dog and he's going to figure it out. Now, of course, I'm not saying you don't want to do obedience and, and refine his hunt. Of course you have to do that, but he's going to get it and it's going to click with him. And the more birds you put in his face, the faster it's going to click. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I would say that you are blessed to be in a situation where you can put that mm -hmm. dog on wild birds. Yep a lot. Yep. So maybe talk about that process a little bit. Yeah, that, so I'm not, we definitely train in the off season. We train both on wild. And of course I, I do pigeons and, and, you know, try to refine, I had, you know, I was trying to refine the, you're getting too close. You're getting too close. And of course you learn that the dogs will learn that from wild birds. If you, you know, you pressure a wild bird too much, then those birds are going to flush and the dogs truly learn it. You can tell in the field, they connect it. And so of course in the off season, I do both wild and planted birds, but there is a difference 
um, between the two and the dogs will figure it out. They'll figure out. It's funny with Jones. He knows when we're out just hunting plant, quote unquote, hunting planted birds compared to hunting wild birds. There is a completely different help. You know, he'll give a little bit more room to a, I'm sorry, he'll, he'll pressure a, a trap, a pigeon trap more than he will a wild bird. And it's kind of funny to see how they can tell the difference, but they really can. So I actually asked one of my trainer friends here, Talmadge Smedley, he writes for Gundog as well. And he's been helping me. And I said, how do I get him to stop pressuring the, a pigeon, you know, trap too close? And he said, well, treat it like a wild bird. If he gives it to, if he gets too close to it, then you pop it, pop it right away. Mm-hmm. And I started doing that last summer and he started giving it space, started giving it pretty plenty of clearance because you're like, Hey, we're not going to treat this any different than, than as if this was a wild bird. So, um, but yeah, the more, yeah. the more birds That's you can get, in the dog's face, yeah, the more birds you can get in the dog's face. And of course you, you don't want to run your dog on wild birds all summer long. You're during their, their nesting and breeding seasons, but you know, so check with, you know, local, local stuff to make sure you're not, cause you want birds to hunt come fall. So don't be giving them too much pressure. Fair point and great point. Um, you also have a new adventure that's coming out um, with the show. Can you walk everybody through that? And like, that seems like a really awesome passion project and, and a great story. Yeah. So um, Gundog went through a revamp uh, two years ago where we just, we blew up the magazine. We made it a big, beautiful, large format. We blew up the website, made it really cool. And so naturally my company owns the outdoor channel and the sportsman channel. So uh, naturally they come and they say, we want you guys to do a TV show. And I'll be completely honest and say, I didn't want to do a TV show. (laughs) I, I would like to hunt for fun and to have a camera in your face is a lot of pressure. Right. Um, and I had a young dog and I'm like, Oh, this is, I don't think you guys understand how hard it's going to be to film a wild upland bird show. You know, it's not like these birds are holding still for a dog. And so how did but you explain were, that to to people in like the TV exact. world? Because it was it was hard. It was we had many a conversations about it. I had many conversations where I said, "Listen, you're not going to get that beautiful up close shot of the dog's face where he's just you know it. It's not going to happen. Um, you might, I guess, but not really." And so I said, "And the the birds are going to look like little specks in the camera flushing away because you know they're what they're going to flush thirty yards away from yeah. us." So, anyways. They said, well, we trust you. Give it a shot. And so we're like, okay. So, <laughs> so I said, that means they don't trust you. Yeah, exactly. so, well, <laughs> anyway. They basically said to me, too bad you're doing a TV show. So, yeah. <laughs> um, but what we wanted from this show is we wanted something different than every other TV show. We wanted it to be about what we're passionate about and what our readers are passionate about. And I didn't want it to be a show where we're like, on day one, we did this. And on day two, we did this. It was going to be about the unique places we go, the unique people we hunt with, and the dogs that are behind it. And it's truly about the fa- the passion behind upland hunting and a little bit of duck hunting sprinkled in there too. And it's just about the uniqueness of our sport and how we all live and breathe upland hunting. And most importantly, the dogs that live and breathe this sport. And so um, we traveled all across, we did both, you know, the West, the mid, you know, the Midwest, and then uh, did stuff on the East Coast. And I truly think that we created a, pro, uh, you know, a TV show that is unique and that people are going to enjoy. We tried to do things where I tried to tell them I wanted it to be more like Discovery Channel esque, where it's not just the hunting show, but we're doing cool things in between. Like, how many times have you traveled somewhere to hunt birds and there's some really cool? like part, like example, I go to Arizona, right. And there's tombstone right there, like something unique about each place that we're going or unique about the people that we're hunting with. And then of course we want to mix in dog training and and unique things about that. Um, so I truly think we created something that's going to be awesome and it airs April in April on the outdoor channel. And I'm hoping that people will really like it. And I hope they really like it because we've been signed up for season two. So <laughs> good for you. Heck yeah. If you, That's if you don't awesome. like it, then tell us what, tell us what you want different and we'll do that next season. So I'm going to be honest with you. When you said you, you were, you brought up tombstone, you're like, you know, there's always something about going somewhere new and like checking out the local, I thought you were going to say pub. Well, that too though, that too. Yeah. Cause like for me and Kevin, it's like, we went to Michigan this year and yeah. we hunted grouse and woodcock in Michigan. Yeah. And we went to the same podunk. Oh. Do you remember what it was called, Kevin? 
big shout out if we can remember. <laughs> it was like a girl, no, but gr- I that lady, the the bartender lady was a riot. But yeah. that was part of it too. She that was, was like eighty five years old, and she was she just had every like one liner in the book. <laughs> All she did yeah. was poke fun at us. And yeah. I, we we just had an awesome. Time. We just kept going back, and so like those, yeah, those like little experiences that when you take these road trips yes. and you meet meet someone local or taste the local food or just get that, that vibe. And that's yeah. part of it. And that's that's honestly, I'm glad you brought that up because that's what I told them when we they were first telling we had to do this. I said, listen, there's some cool things that we do about upland hunting. Like I don't know about you guys, but one of my favorite things is to <laughs> is to hunt either in the morning. Or and then go hunt in the morning and then go for like the greasiest, nastiest diner you can find in little yes. town and it's go back best. every day. Like yeah. that's the best thing. And I I told him, I said, I I want to capture that. I want, I want, I know it's weird to film people eating, but I'm telling you, these are the best places you ever find. It's some of the best people oh. where you walk in and the old guys come there every morning for their two dollar yeah. cup of yes. coffee. I yeah. can't wait to be that guy. I think about it every time. That's, and that's, that's about what life I goals. wanted to capture. I wanted, that's to, I mine. wanted that. So yeah. we'll do a little bit of that in there and something unique about each place. And it's just, that's what I wanted. I wanted Uplanders, or I should say sportsmen and women to feel like, yes, I know exactly what that feeling is and I love it. And where are they? Because we want to go. Like, that's what we wanted to capture. That's really cool. What are some of the special moments uh, with you and Jones? Mm-hmm on on the adventure that like we can look forward to to maybe like we see it in the episode but mm-hmm. then like this is the sneak peek story absolutely yeah we had a bunch of you know again he was only two because we were filming this past fall so he was still coming into his trying to figure everything out and so we had multiple um there was this cool oh god this was awesome we're hunting in idaho with my friends, Deb and Jared. And that's the other thing. We always brought like friends. Honestly, I kind of told him, I said, listen, if you want to film a wild bird hunt, then I guess you're just going to have to follow me with all my friends because I don't know what else you want me to do. You know? (laughs) So, um, we always had guests on the show and anyways, we're hunting up in Idaho for hunts and we're in this really remote, awesome spat. And the camera crew. You want to drop me a pin? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And the camera crew had thrown up the drone. I think my poor camera crew, you know, we're all used to you know, hunting and, and the, the long miles and how hard it is, especially in the Tucker Hills and the pheasant fields, these poor camera crew, I I'm sure they were glad to be rid of me by the end of the season. But anyway, so they had thrown up the drone cause I think they were taking a break and we're walking along this rim of this Canyon and Jones goes on point and I'm like, Oh, this is epic. And you know, tons like to hang out on the edge of, of the, of the rim, of the Canyon. Cause they like to flush down the Canyon so that you can't get to him anyway. So he goes on point and I'm walking and nothing flushes. And then he, he redirects nothing, but redirects. And finally he's pinned him down and we got it all on camera where the, the covey flushed over the edge and I was able to bring one down. And then Jones actually retrieves. I know some setters don't, but I, I think he truly picked it up from his lab sibling, but, um, I saw Jones go over the edge and all I saw next was him come back over that edge with that bird in his mouth. And I'm just like, that was awesome. That was good awesome. for you. That's so, epic. It was cool. That's really cool. So how many episodes are there going to be? So there'll be 10. Um, we filmed all the way, Idaho, Arizona, South Dakota, Maine, uh, North Carolina, um, Utah, I'm trying to think of all of them. So it's, it's all over the place. Did you hunt quail in North Carolina? Um, actually Nathan hunted woodcock. Oh, cool. So yeah. North Carolina or South Carolina. I can't remember. Anyways, he was hunting with, um, some with Gordon setters down there with, uh, Steve Faust. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's got some amazing, amazing dogs and, um, he hunted Maine. He lived in Maine last year, so he knows the, the grouse woods very well. So he ended up there, which is, you know, Maine is, has got this cool history and lure behind, you know, lore behind it. And so I'm, I'm excited for that episode. Um, we hunted swans here in Utah. Uh, cool. I, I tagged along. My friend had the tag, not me. So that was cool. And other than that, I mean, we're just all over the place. It's, it's pretty epic. Everywhere from chucker to huns to quail to grouse. So that's really cool. What's it like being the editor in chief of of a magazine? How did the, like when you're like, oh, I'm interviewing for this job and I got it. You're like, editor in chief. Come on. 
Like, what is it like day to day? What do you what do you work on? What sure. gets you excited about it? So I'm very fortunate to um, work with some amazing, talented writers and photographers, and I have a great team here behind Gun Dog. We've got Nathan Ratchford, who's our associate editor. We've got Tim Nair, who is the uh, the brains behind the beautiful design that you see at Gun Dog, and then uh, we've got Chris Ingram, who works on the digital side. Uh, a great team, and then. It, honestly, it was a dream come true for me. I've always wanted to ed- be an editor of a magazine. And basically that means um, I come, you know, I help populate the ideas of what we want to see in each issue. I work with, you know, assign it to writers or we write it ourselves. And then we, you know, we work to make sure everything's factual and, and designed beautifully. And I'm fortunate to have so many knowledgeable people in this industry who are willing to write for Gundog and share their knowledge with our readers and some photographers who capture the most beautiful images of dogs you can see. And so honestly, I always tell people, my job doesn't suck because I just stare at photos of dogs all day. So yeah, it's pretty <laughs> what good. What more yeah. can I ask for? Yeah. One of my favorite things from Gun Dog is like your, your puppy. Oh yeah. The puppy issue. Yeah. It's like, come on. Greatest magazine issue of all times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. It Everybody's picking sold. that up. Oh yeah. It actually, well, truly last year, the, the puppy issue, um, sold the best on newsstand out of all of our titles in like 20 years and i'm like well yeah it's got a puppy on the cover like, like what else no brainer yeah. yeah no so, brainer that's yeah. fantastic that's super cool um tell me I, I would love to learn a little bit more or just like i, I really enjoy the memorable retrieves like that story that you mm-hmm. told about jones yep. uh, you know on the rim like all right but you you had a dog before he i can see him in the corner oh yeah like yeah. the the moments that clicked with him a place that you went that just was like me and him are a team now tell sure. us about that so well so early on in his career he was just he just, just naturally had it. i don't know you know you have that you have that connection with your dog and lincoln is that dog for me you always have your lifetime dog and Lincoln, honestly, people tell me that he speaks English, and I truly believe it. Um, and we have just does always he have had an a, accent? Yeah, he should actually. <laughs> he's like he's like the bear Arnold. He's like he's a giant dog. Anyways, he's amazing. But he's a big dude. He's a big dude. So um, we've always had that connection. Always had that connection, and he was so easy to train. I don't know if he's just I don't just smart naturally smart what it is, but there have been multiple times when I'm like. Oh, that's a hard retrieve. And he just looks at me and he he follows the hand signals there. You know, one time we were hunting chucker up in Idaho and this bird went down. It probably, I'm not, I'm really not exaggerating a typical fishtail, but it probably went at least 75 yards away. One of those that wasn't hit well enough. And, and all the guys looked at me and they're like, oh, that bird's gone. But I'm like, Lincoln saw it go down and he gets way down there and I'm standing at the top of the rim of this canyon and he's looking back up at me and I'm giving him the back and over signs. And there he goes, picked up that bird and brings it back, you know, this 75 yard retrieve in Idaho. And it was just truly epic. And I just can't ask for more. But, um, you know, they always say, trust your bird dog in this year. So he got really sick this year. He's nine now. Um, and actually it kind of stunk because at the beginning of the TV show, right when we're starting filming, Lincoln gets deathly ill and they never did figure out what was wrong. But I I went to bed one night in October, kind of saying my goodbyes to him because I thought it was going to be the end. And, you know, that's, that's never fun and never easy. And, um, he ended up pulling through, never did really find out what was wrong, but it was one of those where, you know, he won't eat and he's puking and he probably lost 15 pounds. But anyways, so as the season progressed, I we decided I was hunting up in South Dakota with the Dawkins, Tom Dawkin and Tina Dawkin. And me and Tina decide Lincoln's well enough to go out on a hunt. And so um we take him out and right, what do you know? Right away he flushes a bird for me where he flushes it over this row of corn and it goes down. And of course I I keep an eye on it and I'm like, Lincoln, come on, come on, come in here. And he goes left and I go right. And thinking I'm smarter than him. And I saw the bird go down, you know, and <laughs> I can't find it. I can't find the bird and I can't find him in these tall corn, corn stalks. And the wind is just roaring and I'm yelling his name and I can't, he's not And Lincoln. like always comes. He just great at obedience. He always comes to his name. He won't come. And I'm thinking, Oh no, like he's gone down in this corn. He's, you know, he's passed, he's passed out. He's dead. Like, what have I done? I'm just so upset with myself. Right. And I, I get, I come out of the corner and I see him at the end of the row and he's looking for me and I'm like, Oh, okay. So I run down the end of the coat, but he's gone back in the corn and he can't find me because of the wind. 
And I'm thinking, well, our bird's lost. My dog's dead. Like, what have I done? And what do you know? About two minutes later, he comes walking out of the corn and he's got that bird in his mouth. That's awesome. <laughs> and he had had it the whole time. He had <laughs> had it and he was looking for me. You know, it was all slobbery because he had been looking for me for five, yeah. 10 minutes. And that was the met lesson. Like, always trust your bird dog. They're smarter than you. And they know exactly where that bird went. And, you know, you thought you were smart. But I, I was, you know, thinking my dog was dead. But really, he was just retrieving the bird and trying to find me. So it was That's cool. so cool. Yeah. That's really cool. Um, You know, as you've, a, as your career has, has gone, right? Like, now editor-in-chief, uh, host of a, of a TV show. Sure. What would be, like... I get, well, you know what? Now that I throw the TV show, I had a question pop back in my head. But um, like next season, uh-huh. is is there bucket list places that you've just are like, oh, yeah, I'm going here? I guess it depends on what my budget is. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's also a good question. Like, do yes. you get to just be like, you know, I really yeah, let's think go we, to Argentina. Yeah, I don't know. You know I I heard well, that's cool. Like, we should do that. And yeah, like, I asked just... the question because you know this year I this year I kind of was all DIY stuff. So I'm like, oh, we're keeping it cheap. And I said, well, what's the budget this year? Because we're running out of DIY, you know, ideas. We've hit all my spots here in the West. So, um, my camera crew wants to go to Hawaii. They've got some friends there who can, um uh, hunt. I, that reminded me my camera crew is from Florida. So we did an episode in Florida where we did snipe. And then another cool aspect, we went deep sea fishing. Can you know, like we're in Florida, like let's add to the show. So anyways, they want to go to Hawaii because we can hunt all kinds of upland birds there. But at the same time, they know some guy who is this spear fisherman and he can Ooh. take us out. And so, you know, I'm like, guys, I don't know how much it's going to cost to send like four people to Hawaii, but we'll have to wait and see. <laughs> but anyways, it seems reasonable. Yeah, it yeah really I, cool. it's for the content. It's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, Alaska is <laughs> always on the bucket list and um, all kinds of stuff. So if you guys, and again, if you guys want to go hunt, let me know because it's always friends who we were like, let's go hunt and we'll just have a camera guys tagging along with us. So let's do it. We'll get the, the setter crew together and go oh, get some grouse. Badass. That would be cool. Yeah. That would be yeah. really cool. That would be fun. Yeah. Yeah. Some, some main grouse. That sounds like a ticket. You know, I would love to do that because I, I hunt grouse here in Utah. And it's funny, rough grouse in Utah and the West act a lot different than they do in the Northwoods. I want everyone to know that, okay? <laughs> they fly up and, you know, in the Northwoods, they they flush and you never see them again. Out here, they fly up into a tree and they sit there. And so I always tell people that when I'm out like big game hunting, I see them all over the place. But when I'm actually out hunting them with my dogs, can never find them. <laughs> so oh, I would love... That's- it's it's you funny you say me. that because I feel like whenever I talk with people who just deer hunt, they're always like, oh, it's got to be the dumbest thing ever. Like I, I okay. bust them in the woods all the time when I'm out deer hunting. Like, like I don't know how to explain it, but it's yeah. very different. It's oh. it, you just it's different. I don't know. I hunted. I hunted in um, I was up at Pine Ridge Grouse Camp uh, with Jerry and and Nick Larson and that was my first time hunting roughs in the North woods. And I was like, how do you guys shoot these things? And you guys know, like you're in those thick alders and there's trees everywhere. It's just a, a, just a spray and pray basically because how, and I was lucky. I brought one down. I don't know how I literally just pointed my gun and just pulled the trigger because trying to, to walk through all that and then get your gun barrel up and swing like whew, kudos to those. You're like guys. half falling the whole time half and just falling. trying to figure out where the dog <laughs> yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and good luck seeing the bird. It. Yeah, and good like you may hear them. I never half the time we heard them, I never even saw them. Like kudos to those guys. Like that takes some skill. So it's really that's why I love it the most. Uh, maybe not the most, but between that and duck hunting, it's like mm-hmm. it. I I equate it to trout fisher men and women. Like you might catch a trout. It's about the f- tie. You know, tying flies and like the experience and this and that. And it's like if you can hear three grouse, see Mm -hmm. one grouse, and pull the trigger, that's like an awesome day, right? That's pretty good. Yeah, like I got to pull the trigger today. Not I got a bird. It's it's my dog had a great point, and I got to walk up on it, and there was a bird there. Like it's just those are the things that make it special to me. And that's um truly, and that's what 
that's what we wanted out of the TV show too, because that's how kind of hunter that I am as well. Like it's not about bag limits. It's about just if you see a bird, that's great. And if you don't, you've had a great day with your dog, you know? And so, but that was what I really pressed with the TV show. I was like, this is not going to be about piling birds. We may get one bird in the bag. And if we do, that's, that's a good day. And if we, you know, even if we see birds, that's a good day. You know, Utah, we have good bird numbers, not as great as like Idaho or, you know, other States around us, but it's just about being out there with your dogs and doing it. I mean, how can you beat a day of field like that? Yeah. I'll tell you one quick story. Um, and then I, we won't take up more of your time, but, um, I went to master national for retrievers in Idaho in Northern Idaho, Northern nice. never been out that far West. It was absolutely unbelievable. And I took my setter Andy with me for the hope of maybe chucker hunting the hope yeah. of maybe, um, would it be duskies? Am I wrong? Or blue grouse? Yep, Bluegrass and Dusky are the same thing, right? Yep. So I'm like, this would be amazing. I'll just take her with me. We get there. The landowner who we're kind of training on the grounds, he's like, why don't you come to this state land? It's two minutes down the road, and maybe you can train there. Now, meanwhile, he sure. has no idea what we need to do to train a Labrador. So it's like a heavy river and a field that's like half a football field so like well we can't really train here but thanks man this is awesome <laughs> so we're pitching pitching uh you know for fish just trying to see if we can catch some fish and we're hanging out and we're like oh this was fine i'm gonna go take andy and my gun for a walk i think i killed nine grouse wow. out of that little i feel like i killed all the grouse in mccall idaho oh, uh, i love mccall yeah. Oh, excuse me. Sorry. We should edit this out so people don't go there grouse hunting. <laughs> My bad. Sorry, McCall, Idaho grouse hunters. Um, but it was just like, I found this little piece of heaven for me oh, and Andy. Yeah. And it's one of the most stressful times of my year because it's, it's our national competition. Sure. And I was able to just dip away for an hour with her and shut my brain off and, and there were for a long there. time. Nice. Like you, you went, how many times did you go back to that spot? Yeah. Yeah. I think you, I went probably five times. Nice. Yeah. You shot That's a bunch of birds out of the one place. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, and I will say, like you said, the West is different than the East mm -hmm. uh, or I guess like the Northwoods as well. It was a little bit more open. So you could see the grouse. You could follow them through the woods mm -hmm. and it, it, it I wouldn't say it made the shooting a ton easier, but I yeah. mean, I haven't killed nine grouse since then. Sure. <laughs> and that was three That's years awesome. ago. How'd your dog so, do with them? She was, I mean, she was great. Um, I think she's six or seven now. So she was already sort of a veteran sure. at that point. Uh, but just to go for a walk doesn't look like our woods. So it didn't look like grouse country. Yeah. I just wanted to take her for a walk and brought my gun with me and she locked up the first one. She locked up on point and I'm, we were in the woods for 30 seconds. I'm like, get your ass going. Let's go. Come on. Let's go. Come on. Like you said, trust your bird dog. So I'm like hustling her along and then out goes the grouse. I'm like, Oh, okay. Well, there's you're one mad here. At yourself. Yeah. 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 I did not even raise my gun. I'm just like, come on, Andy. Like, you know, you're just, <laughs> false point in son of a gun um but she did fantastic and then i trusted her ever since and and yeah we had a blast i got That's to introduce so cool. a friend of mine to grouse hunting who'd never done it and i think out west is there's a reason why back in the day the oregon trail kicked oh, off yeah. like oh yeah the video there, game the <laughs> <laughs> it was a great video game it was a good video game i love that video game it was so good but it was just the the idea of a New Yorker taking his dogs and truck and trailer and going out there yep. and then being able to experience hunting out there was, uh, you know, elk, mule deer, antelope, oh, yeah. antelope in like Wyoming were like flies. Oh, Unbelievable. Yeah. Everywhere. Everywhere. So cool. But again, for me, I'm like, there's another one. Guys, there's <laughs> another one. Look at there's another there's. 75 right there so just a beautiful place and uh yeah you're you're very fortunate to be out there with your dogs on these adventures and i'm really excited to see the tv show and and i'm excited for season two and i haven't even seen season one so 
It's nice. very cool. Well, we're excited too. And I, I'm, we're, it airs, um, uh, April 18th on the outdoor channel. So I've already got the you know, first few episodes done and we're seeing the edits for the next ones. And so far I'm loving what I see. So I hope everyone else does as well. And, um, if not, tell me about it and we'll do better next time. <laughs> awesome. I, I like to tell people to keep their opinions to themselves. Well, you know how everybody are. Everyone's got an opinion. So that's right. Yeah, I hear you. Well, do me a favor. Where can they find you on the old Instagram? Um, where uh, you just said where they can find the TV show, but how could they get in touch with you and, and where can they follow along for gun dog mag and everything? Awesome. Well, you can follow along in the magazine at, uh, on Instagram at gun dog mag. And you can follow me personally if you want um, at Callie Parmley. That's K-A-L-I-P-A-R-M-L-E-Y. And uh, for all the updates on Gundog, gundogmag.com. And, you know, your subscription gets you six beautiful issues of this magazine and premium access to our website and all the access to these training videos. And I may be biased, but it might be the best out there. So highly recommend. Awesome. Excellent. Well, I appreciate you uh, joining Kevin and I on the podcast tonight. It was really cool getting to know you, and I'm really excited to see the adventures in store for you and your dogs. Well, I appreciate you guys, and thanks for having me and letting me spread the word about gun dog. Absolutely. All right. Thank you, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you on the next episode. Hey, join our community. If you enjoy the show, if you enjoy our YouTube, if you enjoy Instagram, it's like buying me and Kevin a beer. Join patreon.com forward slash Lone Duck Outfitters. The link is in the description. Click that link, join the community. We've got tons of great videos, tons of great content, and you can ask me more questions. So join it, enjoy it. We did it for you and you're helping us produce this show so thank you so much to that community get in get out let's roll patreon.com forward slash lone duck outfitters hey listeners nick larson here host of the bird shop podcast as fans of this show you may be interested in the conversations on the bird shop podcast where we discuss all things upland hunting from upland birds and their habitat and conservation to the shotguns bird dogs and gear used to pursue them whether you're a seasoned upland hunter or just getting started and wanting to learn more i interview a wide range of guests each with their own unique perspective and valuable experience to share if you're on the hunt for more upland hunting conversation please consider subscribing to the bird shop podcast today Thank you.